Hey guys, you are listening to Tony Gatewood here, who uh, is just a black man with an opinion. I feel like I uh, it's my first time actually uh, doing this, and I'm really interested in communicating to lots of audiences. I've been uh, a person who has served um, in ministry as a pastor, um, as a missionary uh, for some years. Um, it's going on 20 years. Um, but I want to actually uh, start by sharing with you a little bit of my my story. I want to share with you a little bit of where I've come from, what shapes how I think and stuff, and what you can expect from uh, a podcast like this. Um, so I grew up on the south side of Chicago, just uh, as a start. Like I grew up in West Inglewood neighborhood. I grew up um, all around going from as far as living in the projects, Robert Taylor Homes in Chicago, that used to be there, no longer is there because there is a, a, a complex there, a, a tennis complex that stands right where my building was. But I lived all across the uh, West Inglewood area, went to multiple schools. And just like many people there, we weren't homeowners, we were renters. Um, and I had five sisters. I have five sisters and I have one little brother. None of them are little anymore, but... Um, we grew up in an area where, like, we lived both in neighborhoods and in uh, housing complexes. And as a kid living up in Southside Chicago, uh, Chicago could be rough. I mean, man, Chicago could be really rough. I know for myself, I wasn't, I wouldn't even say I was necessarily built for it. I feel like I was, um, I feel like I was kind of a kid that was out of, out of, like, the com- the, the experience one would have uh, living there. Uh, a lot of kids there, you have to be tough. I was the opposite of tough. I was a pacifist. I didn't know what a pacifist was until I realized that I was the type of kid who did not like to fight. Like, And you could press me as hard as you wanted to, to fight, and I wouldn't fight. I don't know how that came about for me, but it was just never in my heart to want to fight. Um, I didn't learn until later what what that instinct in me, how it proved to be anyways beneficial or uh, or difficult. Um, but as a kid, I was a little bit of an awkward little kid, right? Like I had lots of energy. I, I had um, I had a uh, what's the word I want to use? I had an acuity for learning words and language. I was very drawn to uh, language, and so I would uh, I was a kid that had a high vocabulary. And I tested high in different things, but um, I had no street smarts. I couldn't, I wouldn't tell you, if you ask my cousins, you ask my sister, I had no street smarts. I couldn't even walk right. Like, <laughs> when I thought about what it meant to kind of walk and to have kind of this street smarts about how you would go about things, I, I didn't have any of that. <laughs> I was um, a kid that, you know, I kind of saw the world in a very bright way. Like I had a very bright perspective about the world, that there were adults there who wanted to help us grow. There are so many things to learn. Um, and I was encouraged to kind of like really pursue education for my parents and family. I remember my auntie, I had an auntie, uh, had like, uh, actually my mom, she had had 12 other siblings. So I'm used to big families. I was grew up in a family of seven. She, my mom had uh, 13 siblings and they used to call me professor. Like, ah, there's professor. You're going to be a professor one day. Uh, my dad, he um, he would call me, like, he would say, I'm going to be a businessman. Um, but as a kid, I really dealt with a lot of a lot of bullying. 
you know, like I, uh, I think that perspective just didn't sit well with the environment that I, I grew up in. A lot of people were struggling around us. I mean, like joblessness was uh, crazy. Like you had to, you couldn't find jobs in your community. You had to go outside of the community. And this story is no different from stories of other urban centers and stuff that were like food deserts and uh, things like that. Like I had to go out, you had to go outside to find uh, work. And so my dad and my mom, my dad mainly, would go outside and he would find work and stuff. And uh, the environment was just a little desperate, but in some places it could be insulated too. Um, grew up in the 80s, so um, had a, a lot of exposure to kind of the golden age of hip hop, the golden age of rap. Come at me if you need to. We could talk about this. I, I feel like that should be an episode in, in and of itself. 80s rap versus now, um, early 90s rap versus now. We could talk about it. We can get into it. You'll lose. I'm t- probably talking to the Gen Zs and the um, whichever other alphabet generation is coming after them, the 2000s. I I don't know. Uh, random random point. I, there was a person who I was getting some dental work done uh, this past week, and the 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 person, the medical assistant, the dental assistant, right, was six years old in 2006, and I was like, I was out of college in 2006. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, is that what it feels like? Is that what it feels like, mom? Is that what it feels like, uh, friends who are um, in that uh, gent, the Xers, kind of fully Xers, where somebody who's doing something professional uh, for you were a baby when you were an adult? <laughs> um, a little shocking for me, but nonetheless, let me get back uh, to the story. So... Uh, like I said, I was a kid that grew up in an environment that was uh, a little bit more dangerous, and I didn't know the I didn't know uh, I didn't know better. That would that would probably be the best way to describe it. Um, I remember one of my first bullies that I dealt with when I was younger. Um, he was this guy. I was going to this school, and he was a terror for everybody. He was angry with everybody. Was getting in fights and stuff all the time. And, um, and I, and I, and I was, you know, this happy, you know, kid that had this bright perspective about life and he just, you know, kind of terrorized me all the time. I felt the terrorism of his constantly pushing me and, and bullying me. And I remember this one time, right? It's my first bully. I have a whole line of bullies that I dealt with, but this first time, right? When I, when I sat there and he was acting up and acting crazy in the classroom and the teacher called the mom on the phone. See, back in the day, there was a telephone in the classroom. It wasn't texting or anything like that. It was a rotary telephone in the classroom. And she picked up the phone and she called his mother to the, cla- to the classroom. And she comes to the classroom and she gives him a spanking in the classroom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you gotta understand for myself. I was sitting there, I was like, oh justice justice i think it was about in third grade at the time when that happened um and you know because i i I didn't know what it took to fight for yourself you know like or or like what it felt like to have uh, a, a sense of justice i thought everything was just i thought everything in the world would be just i didn't understand kids who you know 
would be upset enough with each other to fight with each other. I remember um, also then the next year I went to a different school and I went to uh, fourth grade and I uh, had a person who was a little bit of a bully there. Still not high, but I had a guy who was a bully to me there as well. And I remember just like being frustrated because I couldn't understand this. Like I really wanted to be friends with everybody, but for some reason, this person just had to be a bully. This person just had to um, uh, want to fight people. And, I, and sometimes I think where I grew up at, like the only way that you can show that you are strong, the only way that you can show that uh, no one can uh, come against you is if you fought. If you fought and you won, people respected you. And I think as a at a young kid at our, in, in that age of life, um, everybody was fighting for respect, right? Like, like you couldn't find it sometimes in a parent because the parent was gone or the parent was working all day. You couldn't find it. You could only find it in maybe cartoons on TV shows or 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 even worse yet, drug dealers that you lived around. You could they they were your examples, and and they fought for respect. So as kids, we were doing what we saw them doing probably. And I think one of the graces of my life is that. The people who influenced me the most were, were never people who were desperate to have a sense of self. And that's crazy because my dad, I think, wrestled with that. But because he was absent, I was never exposed to that desperation. Right. So I, I sat there and I, I, I was exposed to people who aspired for a world better than themselves. But I know that I had a lot of friends especially male friends who wanted to be valued and seen. And so we were competing against each other for a sense of worth. Kids, children, like fourth graders, my daughter right now, you'll hear more about my family. She's in fourth grade. It was, she, she was nine years old. I'm in, I was in that age range, not that people fighting for a sense of respect, not of innocence, like just innocence, just feeling completely lost. But I remember that, like, a pacifist can only be a pacifist for so long until they can't take it anymore. And I remember, like, one of those last times. And what I would do, here's what I would do. So what would happen is, is that, like, I would go home from school. And you can walk from our, from our um, school back home. It wasn't too long of a walk. But I had a, perchen- a, a, a tendency of having to run from school. Because I would get chased by my bullies. Now, this is when I became a pretty fast person. I think I had a lot of leg development as a kid because I knew how to run. And I remember I would sprint home each and every time. And my mom, she would be uh, on the porch. She would be uh, waiting uh, for me. She would be uh, just waiting to see us come back home, right? She wants to make sure we get home safely and stuff. But I would always be sprinting. My mom would be sitting there waiting um, um, for us. And she used to tell me all the time. She was like, Tony, she's, well, my home name wasn't Tony, right? But my home name was uh, Maine. Maine man for one side of my family, Maine for the other side of my family. My mom called me Maine. And she was like, Maine, if you come back home running again, I'm going to close the door on you. And I'm sitting here like, Mom, that's crazy. That you, you don't need to be saying something like that. That's kind of dangerous, right, to be saying something. And there was like two or three guys who would, like, little boys who would chase me home. Well, 
surprisingly enough, uh, I'm running home again. I got a good, maybe two lengths, two body lengths between them. And my mom sees me coming around the corner. And as I'm running down the corner, my mom gets up slowly, walks to the door, closes the door, and locks it. And I remember getting to the door, trying to open it, and looking. And I, it, it was like slow motion, right? Like, I'm like, no. And and in that moment, I'm sitting here, and I'm uh, being drugged by the other guys back into the grass. And we're all tussling and, and fighting with each other. My mom then, after maybe a minute or two, she comes out. She was like, now y'all can stop that now. You stop that now. And they both, the other guys, they get up and they run away and stuff. I remember as a kid, I could not forgive my mom for that. I was so upset that she would do that. But you have to realize something. You guys have to realize something. Where I grew up at, where I lived, I I realize now that the circumstance I found myself in, that my mom knew how passive and how much of a pacifist I was at heart. And the environment that we lived in, if I had no sense of defense of myself, for her, it was almost as if I could be dead. That I was going to be harmed, if not killed sometime, if I can't show a sense of defense and value for my own self, for my own body, for my own mind. I didn't understand that then. I I get it now. The point in time, it was hard, right? So it's interesting, right? We're talking about bullies, and I'm sharing with you like, about um, my experience as a kid growing up, and I'm really like be dealing with um, bullies and stuff. And, and and I get it. We're in a movement. We're in a time where there are other options that can be exercised. But you have to you have to understand that in a mid to late '80s. Right. There was none of these different type of practices or emphasis that people had on bullying, let alone caring about bullying on the south side of Chicago. There were so many things that was not that weren't that wasn't cared for at all. Like, right. There's so many things that was going on, like kids being kidnapped and stuff and 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 violence. Right. In the midst of everything and that the only kind of like currency that some people had that could actually be spent to protect themselves was respect. Um, I'm pretty sure that was something that my mom did that she did not want to do. Yet at the same time, I had to learn a lesson that I was too afraid to learn. Now, I think there is something about that I'll share in the future about um, my value for myself that and and that passive that passivity that isn't necessarily passive it was actually in in a a slowly growing active strength in me that was undeveloped and at the time i didn't know what that meant i didn't know how influential i was as a kid with such a sense of passivity we'll talk about that i'll share i'll share about that in the future but what i what i want to share and what i want to communicate is that like the life i grew up in You would never think that I grew up in. In fact, many people who engage with me would never think, right? And there's a big part of, there's a big reason why for that, right? That like I attribute a lot of my, my, the vitality of my life and who I've become um, to, to my relationship with God. 
to my relationship with Jesus. And you'll, I, I look forward to sharing with you the story of how I gave my life over to Jesus at a Wendy's because of some Korean American missionaries who probably were naive as well in some places uh, to engage with, uh, engage with a person like myself. But I think that's, I think that's what I want to share with you right now. I want to give you a cliffhanger of sorts. Uh, we'll dive more into that. Um, but I can say, what I can say is this: um, there is something about, there's something about God where He finds us where we are, and He doesn't necessarily like. It's almost like it's in our DNA, a part of the calling of our life it's almost as if like when god says i'd known you before you you were in your mother's womb i i I knew who you were in your mother's womb when you hear things like that and you go well what are you talking about technology and stuff now you couldn't have known that and yet there's something about who we were going to become that was formed far before we even had conscience of who we are And I think for myself, I think that the Lord had placed in the DNA of who I was. I would even say the soul of who he's made me to be. That he placed in that space something about who I would become. And that even in the midst of it, even in growing up in a hard environment with a a sense of um, nonviolence about myself, uh, that that would be some of the critical foundations of who I would become as a now as a husband who's uh, close to his 40s with a wife of 11 years two kids five and nine one 70 pound dog one 17 year old beagle and a or I should say 13 year old beagle and a 17 year old cat I find myself reflecting about some of the critical foundations of my life, some of the spiritual foundations of my life, some of the social foundations of my life. And I'm interested in where this will take me. I'm interested where this experience of this this podcast possibly will take you all as well with me. I, I want to be on a journey. I hope to have conversations with people on this podcast to talk about different things. Uh, talk about theology when necessary. Talk about life and politics. God knows that there's a lot going on right now. Can't wait to talk to you about that. Some of you might not like me, what I have to say. Some of you might. I don't know. It's okay either way. Um, but uh, that being said, um, grateful to you all. And let's see where this goes.